In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We read a moment ago from the 12th chapter of John's Gospel, an important portion of Scripture, a time of transition, a very demanding section in many ways. It's the particular portion we read a moment ago has long been one of my favorites, and as I sort of said my prayers and, and prepared to preach, one of the things that Paul and I enjoy doing, um, or I don't know, I enjoy it, I don't know if she does or not, but uh, I'm always sort of read to her what the text is and say, so, you know, Pete, what do you think? And so I read uh, this text to her uh, this week as was thinking about this. So, so Pete, what do you think? She said, well, I don't know, you're the preacher. Um, so it's kind of one of those, she's like, you'll have to, you'll have to unpack that one a little bit for me. And so what I hope to do this morning is, is to unpack this a little bit and, and to share with you the incredible things that it reveals uh, about the character of God and relationship with you and with me, and also um, the good news that it holds up for you and for me in, in ways which um, have tremendous uh, meaning for our lives to come, but also that has very real and tremendous application um, to our lives right now. We hear all sorts of things going on this morning. We hear about the necessity, unless a seed of wheat falls into the ground uh, and dies, it remains alone. But if it goes into the ground and it dies, uh, it bears much fruit. We hear Jesus saying that the Son of Man uh, must be lifted up. And as he's lifted up, um, that he will draw the world uh, to himself. We hear uh, that the ruler of this world will be judged and will be cast down. Uh, and that a new rule will be established. Uh, amazing things, uh, important things which are expressed uh, in this. And we hear it begins with sort of a, a puzzling beginning. I, I place myself in the shoes of Philip and Andrew, and we hear that they're uh, in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And a group of Greeks comes to Philip and said, Sir, um, we wish to see Jesus. Uh, and Philip goes and speaks with Andrew, and then the two of them go, uh, and they speak to Jesus, saying, These Greeks have come, and, and they desire um, to see you. And in response to that, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Well, imagine you're Philip and Andrew. Uh, what would you make of that response? Sir, um, there are some Greeks that wish to see you. Now the hour has come and the time has arrived. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, uh, it remains alone. I think you might be puzzled um, by that particular response because we've heard, we've heard in the gospel up until this time, Jesus saying the time is not yet. Uh, the time for the Son of Man has not come. And now suddenly um, we hear that the hour has arrived, um, that the time um, has come. And among the things we see happening here in this particular portion we read from just a moment ago is we see the rejection of Jesus by the authorities. Uh, and we see the people, in this instance the Gentiles, we see the Greeks uh, beginning to come um, and to seek Jesus. And Jesus is understanding that the time um, is at hand. Uh, and one of the things that we see that's so amazing um, for you and for me, we see the obedience of Jesus even unto death. 
um, that you and I might be delivered, um, that you and I might receive the grace of God uh, and the love of God. We see Jesus' um, obedience uh, in the midst of this, and not only Jesus' uh, obedience to um, the will of the Father, to the plan and the purpose of salvation, but we also see the invitation and the call to you and to me uh, as followers of Jesus um, to likewise um, follow in that example of service. One of the things that's happening at my house um, at this time, uh, my daughter Maisie is a senior now, and uh, it's getting time for baccalaureate uh, and end-of-the-year picnics uh, and graduation. And so when I come home, there's often a group of women um, gathered at my home making plans, and so, of course, I try to quickly make myself scarce um, because nothing good can come out of my presence um, with a lot of women gathered there. There would be a lot of plans for my life quickly. Um, And so I sort of come in and I disappear as they're making these plans for baccalaureate, uh, etc. But one of the things is I've heard them talking about this and making plans. I can still remember vividly on the baccalaureate when I graduated from college. And it's funny, you know, I forget a lot, um, but it's interesting to me that I still remember um, the address that the uh, then Bishop of Montana gave at the baccalaureate service at the Citadel. And like all things at the Citadel, it wasn't voluntary. Um, We were formed up, we were marched over for baccalaureate, and we were going to enjoy it. to participate, and as you might imagine, um, it was days before um, graduation, and our minds were were a long ways uh, from where we were. But I do remember that as he climbed into the pulpit, he looked out at us, and he said, uh, he said three words, money, sex, and power. And I remember it was as if we collectively leaned forward and we said, we're listening, uh, we thought we would we would give him a, a fair shake, and and what I remember it was a, it was a, a simple talk, and yet um, tremendously powerful and profound as well. Because in essence, what he said is is this: you know, we we chase uh, and we pursue all sorts of things in our lives, thinking that they will bring meaning um, to our lives, thinking that they will bring uh, contentment uh, if we can just have a little more of of take your pick. Uh, whether it be any of those three things or something else, if, if we just have enough, then we'll find the meaning for our lives. Then we'll find the purpose. Uh, then we'll have um, that fullness and contentment um, that we all long for and that we all need. But of course, what he lifted up to us is this. He said, you know, if you turn those things into ultimate things, they're idols. Uh, and no matter how much you attain uh, any one or any number of those things, you're not going to be fulfilled. Uh, you're not uh, going to be content. You're not going to discover um, the purpose and the meaning that you long for and that you're looking for. Very simple, but very true uh, and very to the point. And what we see as we read from this portion of John's Gospel, we see the amazing love of God and the amazing grace of God, and we see the clarity of Jesus uh, about um, that which He has come to accomplish, that He might um, lay down His life willingly and take it up again. And what we see here is the centrality of the cross and the resurrection. 
Uh, the centrality of that to the message of the gospel, the centrality of that um, for us to find meaning and purpose for our lives, the centrality of that that we might become um, children of God and God's heirs. And we see that there are different responses to that essential message, uh, the message of life which goes forth from Jesus and His cross and His resurrection. And we hear um, described in the Scriptures um, the Jews and the Greeks who are representative of two different approaches um, to the message of the cross uh, and to the message uh, of salvation, to the message of how we are to find purpose in life, the message of how we are um, to live in this world. And in essence, uh, and this is obviously oversimplified, but in essence you have uh, in the approach uh, of the Jews a desire to bring change um, to the world through um, sort of religious adherence uh, and to good works. That's the way that things um, are going to change. That's the way that we're going to shape the world and the way that we need to be shaped. It's in essence by our religious efforts uh, and good intentions. Um, and of course that's been very successful um, over the years um, in bringing change to the world, right? Uh, and the other approach uh, is that uh, of, of the Greeks, uh, which is to say, you know what, it's the human intellect. Uh, it's, it's mankind uh, using all the power and the resource uh, of the human intellect uh, void of revelation um, to bring change um, to the world. It's what Paul said, the cross of Christ, it's, it's a stumbling block um, to the Jews uh, and it's folly um, to the Greeks. But to those being saved, uh, it is the very truth and the power uh, of God. Bruce Milne, in his commentary uh, on John's Gospel, um, wrote these words which I share with you now, speaking to how that basic reality exists uh, among us today. And he says this, For Jews and Greeks, the cross remains incomprehensible and repugnant. To believe that only through the blood-stained gibbet can the meaning of existence be discovered, and the life for which we were made experienced in its fullness is still widely dismissed as unacceptably narrow-minded, ethically dubious, intellectually naive, and religiously intolerant. The choice lies before the world. Jesus, however, still points the way to glorification by the narrow and only way of the cross. The amazing message which goes out to us this morning is the obedience of God. Jesus' willingness um, to go to the cross and through the cross um, to the resurrection. Uh, and in this um, obedience, in this self-giving, uh, the ruler of this world is cast down. Uh, and life uh, and freedom uh, and purpose and wholeness and all the things that we need and long for go forth um, to you and to me, not through what we can accomplish, but through what he accomplished once and for all in his cross and his resurrection. And the good word to you and to me, but the challenging word to you and to me is this. The, uh, that message of the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God go forth to us, uh, received freely uh, as a gift. But there's also the word that as you and I look for meaning in life, as we look um, for purpose in life, uh, it's found uh, in service. It's found in service. It's found uh, in trusting God. It's found um, in walking with God, the one who first loved and served and gave himself for us. 
Uh, and so I pray that we hear again um, that, God, that good news, the amazing love and grace of God made known and available um, in Jesus. Uh, and the way that you and I find that meaning we long for, the way that we find that wholeness uh, is not through serving ourselves, uh, but in following uh, and in serving Him and finding therein our life uh, and our perfect freedom. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the obedience of Jesus, Your Son, and Your great love and power made known to us in His cross and in His resurrection. Lord, I pray that the truth of Your self-giving uh, would draw our hearts to You, and in being drawn to You, most gracious God, we might find in relationship uh, and in Your service uh, that perfect freedom for which we long. And these things we ask in the name of Your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.